Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, November 27th, 2017. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio, Beantown Athletics, Boston's go-to destination for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PIC, that's P-I-C. And with football season in full swing, it begs the question, how is your fantasy football team doing? Maybe you drafted a dud in the fourth round, or your first round pick is on the shelf with a bum knee, or maybe you're like me and you have Ezekiel Elliott, who's currently serving his six-game suspension. I'm in first place in my fantasy football league, and I can really use Ezekiel Elliott right now, and of course, I don't have him. So the good news is, it's not too late to forget the injuries and the suspensions and get back in the winning column with DraftKings One Week Fantasy Football. The best part is you get to draft a new team every week without any commitment whatsoever. So get to DraftKings.com right now and use my promo code PIC, that's P-I-C, to play for free with your first deposit for your share of over $1 million in total prizes this coming Sunday. Today's show is also presented by Adam's Corner Cafe and Butcher Shop in Dorchester. My studio is right down the street. I tell you all the time, I'll be stopping by at the end of the week to stock up for the Patriots game this weekend. And this weekend is week 13. The Patriots are in Buffalo Sunday at 1. And the weather's going to be pretty nice this week and into the weekend. So it's still, you can still grill this weekend. You can still get some food, throw it on the grill for the Patriots game. And here's my usual order. Steak tips, chicken, and of course, a few sausages that are seasoned with spices straight from Island at Adams Corner Cafe and Butcher Shop. This place is a staple in Boston, so stop in today on Adams Corner in Dorchester and let Jeannie and Gordon take care of you for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Check out their entire menu right now. Adams Corner Cafe and Butcher.com. That's Adams Corner Cafe and Butcher.com. And when you do stop in, make sure you tell them I sent you. Welcome to the show on. This Cyber Monday, I hope everybody enjoyed their Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm back in the swing of things with a regular schedule this week on the podcast, but uh, it's Cyber Monday and everybody goes nuts for all these discounts online and doing their online shopping. But I'll be honest, I don't understand the difference between Cyber Monday and Black Friday these days. Now, in 2017, obviously... You know, a couple years ago, I want to say maybe even five years ago, Black Friday meant you had to go into the store, into the mall, and make a purchase to get the sale. You couldn't purchase it online, right? Because doesn't that just eliminate the purpose of Cyber Monday? Cyber Monday is all about online shopping. That's where you get all your discounts. So these days, here in 2017, I don't understand what the difference is. In fact... I'm not seeing any difference because I actually bought a TV on Friday night online and I got a huge discount on it. That was Friday night, Black Friday. So the same discount, they still have the same discount here on this Cyber Monday that they had Friday night. So I I bought the TV Friday night online and I'm going to be picking it up in the store this week. So everybody's all jacked up about Cyber Monday, but I guess I'm looking at it going, well... It's really been Cyber Monday since Friday because you've been able to get all these same discounts online, doing online shopping all weekend long. 
So uh, it confuses me a little bit why Cyber Monday is really even a thing. Let's just call it a Thanksgiving weekend sale, right? <laughs> why don't we just do that? A holiday sale. Like, what are we doing now? But um, I'm, hey, I'm thankful that I was able to do the online shopping and get the same discount Friday night online that I would have today on Cyber Monday. So I didn't even wait until Cyber Monday. And um, I guess while I'm talking about Cyber Monday and discounts, I should let you know that if you want to support the Danny Picard Show, you should buy a T-shirt. A Picard Club t-shirt. Yeah, it's an absolute ripoff of the Bullet Club and New Japan Pro Wrestling. But um, everything that the Bullet Club has done, they've ripped off NWO. They've ripped off DX. They've just been ripping people off, haven't they? I'm a big fan of this. So, I mean, I don't really, I guess I don't say that uh, in, in a bad way because I actually enjoy the things that they've done to rip other people off. But... We've changed it up a little bit from Bullet Club to Picard Club, and uh, we gave it a a creative feel for this show. So if you want to buy a Picard Club t-shirt and support the Danny Picard show, here's what you can do. Go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Danny Picard. That's tpublic, T-E-E, public, tpublic.com slash stores slash Danny Picard. My t-shirts, my Picard Club t-shirts are only 14 bucks on this Cyber Monday. So if you happen to listen to this show in time while the sale is still ongoing, then make sure you go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Danny Picard and support this show, would you? Let's go. So let's move on from the online shopping and let's get in to some NFL because week 12 concludes with Monday Night Football Baltimore, a seven and a half point favorite at home against the Houston Texans. You might be listening to the show and that game is over with, right? You might be listening to the show on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, So I'm not going to spend too much time on this Monday night football game, but I will tell you this. It is a must-win game, really, for both teams. I mean, Baltimore at 5-5, five and five, heading into this one. Houston at 4-6, and six, heading into this one. Um, Baltimore, you know, they're looking at an AFC playoff picture that, um, heading into this Week 12 Monday night game against Houston, Baltimore has a chance to get in. I mean, they have a realistic shot to get into the playoffs. So uh, this is a huge game for them. And it's also a huge game for a team like Buffalo, who, as I'm recording this right now, is sitting in the number six seed in the AFC. So play. Well, my point is this. There are playoff implications with this Monday night game between Baltimore and Houston. But uh, looking back at what happened on Sunday and even a little bit on Thanksgiving, three we had three games on Thanksgiving. That, that night game, Thursday night, was just horrible. I mean, the Giants... And the Redskins, New York and Washington. I mean, this was a game where I'm watching it going, are they even in the same league as the rest of the NFL? Like, is this an NFL game? That's how bad that game was. It was just it was terrible. But, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, you had three games. And then Sunday, of course, you had that slate. My picks for Week 12, I stayed away from Thursday's games. I stayed away from the Thanksgiving games. as I, I usually stay away from the Thursday game anyways. But... My picks, picks, picks for week 12, which was just Sunday's slate. I went three and two, which means that I'm now 27, 31, and two on the season. 27 wins, 31 losses, and two pushes on the season. Uh, but it's, it was, I consider this a good week for me. This was a good week for me. I got back above 500 this week, not 
on the season, this week was an above 500 week. You know, small steps, small steps. We're going to get back. We got some time. We got a couple weeks left in the regular season, all right? So uh, we're only through 12 weeks. We got some time, but I went 3-2 and two in week 12. And the games I won, Buffalo plus 10. I took the Bills as a 10-point dog over the Chiefs in Kansas City, and Buffalo won the game. They go back to Tyrod Taylor, and they win this one in a low-scoring affair. Buffalo wins, uh, so they obviously cover as a 10-point dog in Kansas City. So I got that right, Buffalo plus 10. I got Tennessee minus three correct over Indianapolis in Indy. Tennessee won by four points. So uh, obviously I win that. Titans minus three. And then I won Oakland minus five over the Broncos in Oakland. This one, you know, you had the fight between Tlaib and Crabtree. Just two idiots right there. I mean, stupid, stupid. And you know what? Uh, you know, Denver's down and out. Denver's out of it. So if they want to play that role of, you know, just being out there fighting and just being assholes, then let them be assholes. If you're Oakland, you're fighting for a playoff spot. If you're Crabtree, you got to know how important you are to your team. Forget about just that game. You never know what's going to happen moving forward outside of that game. If, if there's a suspension looming, I have no idea. Helmets are off, punches are thrown, chains were ripped again. You know, just stupidity for both teams. But I'm going to go out and tell you that I think Crabtree's the bigger idiot for, for getting involved in it because you don't know what the league's going to do moving forward. And Oakland has a much more realistic shot of getting into the playoffs than Denver does. So if Denver wants to be that way, if they want to play like a bunch of assholes, knowing that their season is over and they've been going through three different quarterbacks this year and their defense, you know, they're not playing up to you know, what their usual defensive standards are in Denver. You know what? If they want to play like a bunch of assholes, let them. Don't stoop to their level. And I just thought that Oakland did stoop to their level. And you never know what what other punishments could come down from the league. We see ridiculous punishments around the NFL all the time. What makes you think they won't be ridiculous with a punishment for Crabtree or maybe somebody else that was involved, you know, in the scrum on the sidelines with, with these two teams. But Put the fight aside. Put the stupidity aside. I got Oakland minus five correct with my pick. So those are my three games I got right. Bills plus 10, Titans minus three, and the Raiders minus five. The games I got wrong, Tampa Bay plus nine and a half. I had them over the Falcons in Atlanta. I didn't necessarily think Tampa Bay was going to win the game, but I did think they'd keep it close to at least cover. And you know what? They had it for a little bit there, and then Atlanta pulled away late, and uh, Tampa Bay did not cover as a nine-and-a-half-point dog, so I got that wrong. Tampa Bay plus nine-and-a-half. And then I got New Orleans plus two-and-a-half in L.A. against the Rams wrong. Uh, the Rams with a big win, and the New Orleans Saints do not cover as a dog on the road in this one. So uh, three-and-two in Week 12, and my DraftKings got to have them play was Tom Brady, who threw four touchdown passes and got you 23 DraftKings points. So I'll consider that a good pick. I'll consider this a good week. And stepping away from my picks, let's get to some of the top storylines from Week 12, looking back on Sunday and the games on Thanksgiving. I think the top storyline has got to be the Rams end in New Orleans' eight-game win streak, right? That's got to be the top storyline. It was in L.A. You know, the Rams right now and the Saints and even 
the Vikings are right there at 2-3-4 and four in the NFC with those seedings. So this was such an important game, and it's so important for the tiebreaker to own that head-to-head because that's the number one tiebreaker. And, you know, with the Rams losing to Minnesota the week before, this was a crucial game for them when it came to their playoff seeding. So... L.A. with a big win at home against the New Orleans Saints. Again, it snaps New Orleans' eight-game win streak. Meanwhile, the Philadelphia Eagles keep it rolling. The Eagles won their ninth straight game. They beat the Chicago Bears. They should beat the Chicago Bears. They whoop the Bears. They should whoop the Chicago Bears. So Philly keeps it rolling. Philly has won nine straight games. The Eagles are 10-1 and as the one seed in the NFC. And uh, then you got the Vikings and the Patriots winning their seventh straight. So it's really about the top seeds once again for the second straight week. Uh, The Vikings and the Patriots, again, seven straight wins for both of those teams. The Vikings win in Detroit on Thanksgiving. Case Keenum, you cannot take him out for Teddy Bridgewater. You just can't. Case Keenum's getting the job done. Uh, And then the Patriots, they beat the Dolphins 35-17 on Sunday at Gillette Stadium. And so for the little local perspective here, I'm going to give you, before I get back into some of the top NFL storylines, what you saw in this Patriots game, in the Patriots win over the Dolphins, the Patriots now 9-2 as the two-seed in the AFC because Pittsburgh won their sixth straight last night on Sunday Night Football, uh, beating Green Bay, a team they should beat. They just barely beat them, uh, but a-, a win is a win is a win. So Pittsburgh remains the number one seed in the AFC over the number two seed New England Patriots, and they're both 9-2. and two. Uh, But the Patriots beating the Dolphins at Gillette Stadium on Sunday. A couple uncharacteristic mistakes by the Patriots in the first half that, you know, we're not used to seeing these type of mistakes. One was the bad snap. Now, you had a center in there in Karras who is just, you know, he's fairly new there. And and it's just, you could tell, you don't see that really ever with the Patriots where he snaps the ball and Brady's not looking. You know, Brady's still, you know, out there talking to his wideouts, you know, giving the play, you know, kill, kill, you're changing up the play. And the ball is snapped while Brady's not even looking. It didn't even touch him. It went by him. You you don't get it back. Miami picks it up, and they run it into the end zone for a touchdown. That's something you usually see around the rest of the league. You don't see that with the Patriots. So that was one. The other was a Tom Brady interception. And it was just, yeah, it was just a, just a bad throw, I thought. But um, other than that, you you know, I hear a lot of complaints. But the Patriots scored 35 points. Tom Brady throws four touchdown passes. Deion Lewis runs for 112 yards. And the Patriots' defense only allowed 10 points because one of the touchdowns was from Miami's defense on that bad snap. That wasn't Brady's fault. That was on the center. So, um, I mean, again, four touchdown passes from Brady, over 100 yards for Deion Lewis. Your offense scores 35 points, and your defense only allows 10 points. The only thing you can really complain about as a Patriots fan, the only thing you can complain about is Tom Brady being hit the number of times he got hit. And he got hit hard a couple times. Uh, you know, that's one thing moving forward here down the stretch. You need to limit these hits that Tom Brady has taken. But, I mean, at the same time, Miami, they have those guys up front, right? They they have those greasy you know, they have those guys up front that like to get dirty, that like to hit the quarterback. You know, they're somewhat controversial players. They they like they have that team, that group up front. 
usually hits the quarterback. So, I mean, between Adamic and Sue and Wake, are you really that surprised that they did hit Brady a couple times yesterday and they hit him hard when they did hit him? I'm not surprised by it. You'd like to limit it, sure. It, it, you know, the Patriots offensive line, they need to somehow get healthy. They need to not make those mistakes. The center cannot be snapping the ball while Brady's not looking because that leads to seven points for, for the other team, for the other team's defense, scoring a defensive touchdown against you. That is an uncharacteristic mistake, and those things will come back to bite you in the ass when you do get into the playoffs. So you cannot have those things happen. The biggest complaint would be the offensive line, and, and we've said that now a handful of times this season. Now, through 12 weeks of the season, it's just, I I still have a tough time getting all worked up about that because, as we've seen in seasons past, those things can usually be fixed, much much like we've seen the Patriots' defense be fixed, right? I mean, again, Patriots' defense allowed only 10 points yesterday. So, I really, I, I don't think you can get too worked up. I just think you have to look at the schedule now, if you're a Patriots fan, like I am and like I'm doing. And the schedule says that the next three games for the Patriots are on the road at Buffalo this coming Sunday, December 3rd at 1 o'clock, at Miami next week. It's a Monday night football game in week 14. And then week 15, Sunday, December 17th, in Pittsburgh at 425. And I guess, you know, look, we know about the collision course. The Patriots and the Steelers, um, this is a collision course. They're going to meet in week 15. The number one tiebreaker is head-to-head. They're both 9-2, and two, the top two seeds in the AFC. We can, you know, right now, Pittsburgh is ahead of the Patriots uh, for, for the top seed in the AFC because why? The tiebreaker that they own right now, that the Steelers own over the Patriots right now, they're both 9-2. and two. The tiebreaker Pittsburgh owns is the strength of victory. And it's not even that large of, of a margin. So it's really going to come down to Week 15 in Pittsburgh, head-to-head. I think the Patriots know it. The Steelers obviously know it. The difference between both teams right now is that the Steelers are talking about it and the Patriots are not. If you ask the Patriots about Pittsburgh this week, you know what the Patriots are going to tell you? From the coach to the players uh, to to the fucking water boy. You know what they're going to tell you? They're going to tell you we're on the Buffalo Sunday at 1 in Buffalo. They're going to praise the Bills for being able to beat Kansas City last week. The Bills have some big wins this season. They're 6-5. and five. I mean... If I, you know, the the dumbest thing around all of the NFL that we might be talking about at the end of the year, we might look back on on things and we might be looking back at the Bills coach, Sean McDermott, in week 11, benching Tyrod Taylor for Nathan Peterman and Peterman throws five interceptions in the first half against the Chargers. That might end up being the dumbest decision by a coach in the NFL in the last five years, maybe, right? And, then, and I know some people, you know, people want to talk about um, Pete Carroll and some of the dumb decisions he made. And he's, Pete Carroll's made some dumb decisions. Those are in-game decisions, right? Those are in-game decisions. You want to talk about not even giving your team a chance before the game begins? We're talking about Sean McDermott in Week 11 benching Tyrod Taylor and going with the rookie Nathan Peterman. Well, they went back to Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor helps the Bills beat Kansas City in Kansas City. 
And uh, the Bills are still alive in the playoff race. So if you ask the Patriots this week, what do you think about that week 15? You know, you're going to have three straight road games now. And and the last of those three road games is going to be in Pittsburgh Sunday, week 15, December 17th at 425 on CBS. You're going to have Nance and Romo in the booth. I mean, unless it gets flexed. Can that get flexed to Sunday Night Football? Can it? I mean, it probably should. I don't know what the rules are. Maybe CBS can put their foot down on, on a certain number of games. I I think that 425 game that CBS has, I think it's, I don't think you can have that one. I think you can flex a one o'clock out because I think when CBS makes it their 425, isn't that their game of the week? Isn't that their game of the week? I, I don't even know. I don't know how that works from, from the CBS perspective if you're going to try to flex the Sunday night football. But, um... Put it this way, it's going to be the game of the week. It's really going to be the game of the regular season for both the Patriots and the Steelers. But if you ask anyone in the Patriots organization this week about the Steelers, the Patriots are going to tell you they're on the Buffalo, they're not focused on Pittsburgh. Uh, With the Steelers, it's completely different. Pittsburgh, you know, last night on Sunday Night Football, they're doing promos with Tony Dungy's doing a one-on-one sit-down with Mike Tomlin, Steelers coach Mike Tomlin, and Mike Tomlin is sitting there talking about the Patriots. He's saying, oh, yeah, it's, it, you know, I don't even know. What did he use to describe it? Did he, did he say bloodbath? No, he didn't. Did he say bloodbath? I, however he described it. He, the fact that he even mentioned it, answered the question, and not only talked about week 15, but then went on to say, you know what? We're probably going to see him again in the playoffs, meaning the AFC championship. So two different organizations, two different mindsets. What mindset is going to is going to work best for for their respective team. I'm going to say it's the Patriots mindset. Thinking, hey, we're going to focus on Buffalo and that's it. Pittsburgh, they're focused on week 15 against the Patriots. They're also focused on the AFC Championship. You got to get there first. And I got news for Pittsburgh. They have Cincinnati in Cincinnati coming up. That's what they have in week 13. That's not going to be an easy game. I'm sorry. It's an AFC North divisional dogfight. Cincinnati, they're coming off a, a win, right? Cincinnati, they do have some weapons offensively, and their defense isn't all that bad. Then you got Baltimore at home. So you have two AFC North divisional dogfights in Cincinnati and at home against Baltimore, who's going to be battling for a playoff spot. You mean to tell me those are going to be easy games for Pittsburgh? They just barely beat Green Bay, and Green Bay doesn't even have Aaron Rodgers. Look, the Steelers have weapons. If you put a gun to my head right now, I would tell you that the AFC Championship game is going to be Pittsburgh and New England. Where is that game going to be played? I don't know. Again, it's going to come down to Week 15. But for Pittsburgh to to make sure that that Week 15 game is the ultimate tiebreaker for home field advantage in the AFC Championship, they got to beat Baltimore and Cincinnati first. So the Steelers should not be thinking about the Patriots. They should not be worrying about the Patriots. When Mike Tomlin is asked about the Patriots, here's how he should answer it. He should answer it by saying, you know what? One game at a time. Let's beat Green Bay first. And if we could do that, then we got to beat Cincinnati. He shouldn't even mention Baltimore. He shouldn't even be mentioning the Ravens. So um, it, it's just, it's laughable, really. It's laughable. The two roads that that these teams will go down. And and look, week 15, 
It will, this is a collision course. The, the the home field advantage in the AFC Championship will come down to Week 15, and it will be the Patriots' third straight road game. But um, I don't know how much that matters in the NFL. Three straight road games. What you? I mean, you come home all week, right? You're home all week. They'll play that game in Miami on on Monday. I guess it's a shorter week. They'll play that game on Monday night in Miami in Week 14. They'll come home. Right? They'll Tuesday through Saturday, they'll be home in New England, practicing at their own facilities. I mean, I'm assuming. And um then they'll take off Saturday to go to Pittsburgh. So uh you know how much does does being on the road three straight weeks actually matter? Again, they'll be at Buffalo this Sunday in week thirteen. And I assume after that game Sunday at one in Buffalo, they will fly home and be home Sunday night. Which means that they'll spend all the next week at home, and then take off for Miami on Saturday, right? That's usually, that's usually how it works. So I'm not too concerned about the three straight road games for the Patriots. But if I'm a Steelers fan, I think I'd be a little bit concerned about my coach talking about the Patriots when you have Cincinnati and Baltimore, not easy games, divisional dogfights in your path before you even get to that Week 15 game against the Patriots. So, um, hey, Steelers win their sixth straight on Sunday Night Football over Green Bay, and that's, I guess that should not be overlooked because they are doing their part until they do take on the Patriots, and uh, the Steelers 9-2, the Patriots are 9-2. I told you, Kansas City lost to the Bills. The Bills going back to Tyrod Taylor. That, you know, keeps Buffalo alive. Kansas City now 6-5, and five. and the Chiefs have lost five of their last six, which has led some people to want to talk about changing the quarterback. I don't think they should do that. I mean, that's just overreaction. That's people wanting they that's people wanting controversy. That's you know, it is. They want to go to who? Mahomes? They want to take out Alex Smith. I, I'm not telling you Kansas City's gonna win anything, but I do think that this season, you know, if you want to go to Mahomes next year, then then fine. But I just think this year, Kansas City's best chance to win is with Alex Smith under center. The season's not completely over. I'm not telling you Kansas City's going to win anything special, anything crazy this year. But if you want to get into the playoffs and have a shot, I think their best shot is with Alex Smith as their quarterback still, even though it hasn't looked good. I'm trying to be realistic for you. Some people don't want to do it. They want to be outrageous. They want to have the hot take. They want the controversy. They live and die by the controversy, and they want a quarterback change. In my opinion, these people are fools. I think Kansas City should stick with their quarterback. They should stick with Alex Smith because that does give them the best chance to win. Kansas City, they're in New York against the Jets next week. So that's a winnable game for them. They should stick with Alex Smith uh, in that one. So uh, that's what we got. What's another storyline here? All right, I'll give you one more storyline. Jacksonville losing in Arizona. Jacksonville now 7-4. They, you know, Jacksonville, if you're a Jaguars fan, you were in a nice spot a couple weeks ago, looking good, I think feeling good, you know, the, the top defense in the league, and then you go into Arizona and lose that game against a Cardinals team that is now 5-6 and six and is not going to go to the playoffs. Um, you know, they're really a, with their third quarterback of this season. Their top two quarterbacks got hurt, so Arizona's playing with their third quarterback. And they have injuries. Their, their, their top running back is out. They have running back injuries. So, and you lose to them, that's not a good look for Jacksonville. And, and that shakes up the playoff race in the AFC 
a little bit. So those are some of the top storylines in it, and it brings us to the game that we like to play this time of the season, and that's if the playoffs began today, and I get it as I'm recording this show, uh, you still get a Monday night game that's very important for Baltimore and Houston, but if the playoffs began today as I'm recording it, here's what it would look like. The Steelers, the one seed in the AFC. The Patriots, the two seed in the AFC. They'd get the first round buys. The wild card round would be Tennessee as the three seed. They'd be hosting the six seed Buffalo Bills. So Buffalo would be going to Tennessee in the wild card round. And the four seed Kansas City Chiefs would be hosting the five seed Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville would be going to Kansas City. In the NFC, Philly would be the one seed. Minnesota would be the two seed. They'd get the first round buys in the wild card round in the NFC. The three seed LA Rams would host the six seed Atlanta Falcons. And so Atlanta would be going to LA. And then the four seed New Orleans Saints would be hosting the five seed Carolina Panthers. Carolina would be going to New Orleans. But um, I'll tell you one thing. Here's a little hot take for you in the NFC. I know that New Orleans is in first place in the NFC South at 8-3. and three. Uh, They're ahead of Carolina, who's also 8-3, and three, and Atlanta, who's at 7-4. and four. Uh, If the playoffs began today, all three of those teams would be in the playoffs. New Orleans is the fourth seed over Carolina because New Orleans owns the top tiebreaker right now, which is head-to-head. New Orleans beat Carolina this season already, but they play again. They have to play again, and that's actually this week coming up in Week 13. New Orleans hosts the Carolina Panthers so, um, you know, that'll be an interesting matchup to watch, but New Orleans and Atlanta have to play each other twice the rest of the season. And I think that because they play each other twice, it might open the door for the Carolina Panthers. If they can win in New Orleans, which I'm not ruling out, Carolina looks good right now. They got a nice defense. They're putting up some points. And Cam Newton, you know, he's been there, done that. He's already been to a Super Bowl. I, I like Carolina right now. They beat the Patriots this season at Gillette Stadium. So, um, Carolina looks good. I, this is going to be such a tough division. Could all three of those teams get in? Well, the playoffs begin today. They're in. Seattle's on the outside looking in, even though they won. Even though they won. Um, because the Atlanta Falcons, they're ahead of Seattle based on head-to-head. Atlanta beat Seattle. But you're looking at Detroit as well at 6-5. and five. I know they lost to Minnesota on Thanksgiving at home, but look at Detroit's schedule. There's a sleeper you want to pick that might be able to sneak in. You know, they're going to need some help. You know, they're obviously going to need Atlanta to lose a couple games. But if Detroit, if, the, if you want to pick a sleeper to get in as a wild card team, um, don't overlook the Detroit Lions. Don't overlook it. Now, Detroit, they're not going to catch up to Minnesota, who's at 9-2, and two, but I'm talking about a wild-card spot. Look at Detroit's schedule here moving forward. Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Chicago, Cincinnati, Green Bay. Well, that's not that difficult of a schedule. Detroit, it's doable for Detroit. It is. It's doable for Detroit. Um, you want to talk because I, I'm looking at Seattle's schedule. They play Philly. Seattle's not in the playoffs if they begin today. They're at 7-4. They play Philly next week. Tough game. Seattle's, Seattle's defense is all banged up, too, by the way. They play Philly next week. Then they go to Jacksonville, which is not going to be easy. 
It's not going to be easy to score points in Jacksonville. Then they play the Rams, which is not an easy game. Then in week 16, they're in Dallas, and guess who's back for that game? Ezekiel Elliott. So that's not going to be an easy game. Then their easy one is against Arizona. But again, it's a divisional game, and sometimes those games just aren't that easy. So Seattle's schedule's tough. I don't know that Seattle's getting in with that schedule and if they're banged up defense. I really don't know. So I, I'm looking at Detroit and Seattle. Don't sleep on Detroit. I don't think Seattle's getting in with that schedule. They would surprise me if they did go on a run with their banged up defense and some of those teams that they're going to be playing. Um, I have, you know, I think that that's going to be one of the toughest schedules around the league from here on out through Week 17, isn't it? Seattle playing Philly. At Jacksonville, against the Rams, against Dallas, who will see Ezekiel Elliott returning on Christmas Eve. That is tough. That is tough. So, it's not looking good for Seattle. For Detroit, their schedule isn't that bad. I'm not going to rule Detroit out of things. But if you're looking for a team on the outside looking in to get in, I think it's more likely that an AFC team that's currently in the outside looking in eventually gets in because you do have some teams in Baltimore, Cincinnati, even, hey, even the Chargers, they've looked very good. Their defense is very good. I just, I have a tough time putting money on Phillip Rivers making all the right plays (laughs) at all the right times when it matters the most. I have a tough time doing that. And Oakland, Oakland's still alive, right? Raiders are still alive at five and six. So that's the playoff picture for you. And um, as it moves forward, as it gets more interesting, I'll obviously be here reacting to all of it. And before we move on from football, there's a couple other storylines I guess we should talk about because, all right, it has nothing to do with the playoffs. Cleveland is still winless, right? So Cleveland, the New York Giants, and the San Francisco 49ers have all officially been eliminated from playoff contention. I don't think there's anybody that actually thought they could make it to the playoffs, but mathematically, I guess it was still possible. It's no longer mathematically possible. They are officially eliminated. The Browns, the Giants, and the 49ers, uh, they are officially not going to the playoffs. But speaking of San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo on Sunday made his 49ers debut. He threw a touchdown pass with no time left after C.J. Bethard got injured late in the game, right? He took a low, or he took a hit, something with his knee. I actually didn't see the hit. But when Garoppolo comes in, you're paying attention to that. And, um, you know, a lot of people have been sort of crushing the 49ers, saying, why didn't you start Garoppolo in that game? Or when are you going to go to Jimmy G? And I've told you that, and much like I try to tell Giants fans, don't get so worked up about this right now. Like, You're not going to the playoffs anyways. Shouldn't the goal... I I know your team's not going to go out and purposely throw a game. But do you really want your teams to go out and, you know, win out and win the rest of the the way so that you get, what, the seventh pick in the draft rather than maybe the second or the third? No. To me, you shouldn't be complaining if they don't want to go to Jimmy Garoppolo because obviously Garoppolo gives them a better chance to win. And uh, I'm just not so sure that that should be the ultimate goal of the organization right now. If you're a 1-10 and 10 team, that's what San Francisco is. They're 1-10. If the season ended right now, San Fran's getting the number two overall pick. That's it. Cleveland's getting number one overall. San Fran's getting number two. So 
Uh, yeah, why would you argue with that? Now, you throw Garoppolo in, and I'm talking about the mindset before Bethard went down on Sunday in the, in the you know, final stages of that game. Um, before that, you're looking at this thing going, all right, if you put Garoppolo in and you look at the schedule for the 49ers here on out, got Chicago, got Houston, got Tennessee, then you got Jacksonville and the Rams. Forget about Jacksonville and the Rams. Your next three, Chicago, Houston, Tennessee, those are actually games that I could maybe see San Fran having a shot to win if Garoppolo was their quarterback. And if you win those games, let's say you win all three. Let's say Garoppolo gets you all three. You got four wins. Four wins. Right now, there are three teams in the league with three wins. Indy, Denver, and Chicago. Uh, You look at the teams with four wins. Houston, the Jets, Miami, Tampa Bay. So, (laughs) you're going from number, you want to go from number two overall in the draft to what, number six, number seven? It's possible. It's possible. Well, now, because Bethy gets hurt, you probably don't have much of a choice if you're San Francisco. And Jimmy G's going to see some time. And he might help San Francisco win a game or two in the next three against Chicago, Houston, or Tennessee. But uh, it was it was funny to watch Garoppolo in that game yesterday. And it's funny to see the reaction like, oh, Jimmy G, he goes in, throws a touchdown. First of all, Seattle, and I'm not, I'm not purposely going out of my way to knock Jimmy G, but I see so much praise for the kid. And I just hear the, the love fest. I read the love fest on Twitter and I'm thinking to myself, all right, guys, let's try to stay realistic. The, kid's, the kid looks like he could be a pretty good quarterback long-term in this league. But all things considered, yesterday, Seattle's defense is depleted. And also, the game was over. Like, are the Seahawks out there running around, you know, really trying to, to, to win the game? They already won the game before Garoppolo threw that touchdown pass. So, with no time left, just how much defense is actually being played in that spot? Again, I'm not purposely going out of my way to try and knock Jimmy G. But I guess I'm just responding to the love fest and the obsession with Jimmy Garoppolo, at least on my Twitter feed, following a lot of local people here in New England. I mean, holy shit. Give it a break. Give it a rest. He's in San Fran. Wish the kid the best. And if he gets a shot long-term, which he's going to, um, let's see how it plays out. But I'm not going to crown the kid as the next, you know, Super Bowl quarterback of the 49ers because he threw a touchdown pass against Seattle with no time left in a game that was already over against the Seattle defense that... N- n- you know, probably gave up on the game one and two didn't even have their best. They don't even have their best players playing. So I'm not going to put too much stock into that one touchdown pass, but it does look right now from a San Francisco 49er perspective that you got no choice, but to go to Jimmy G next week in a game that is probably winnable for you now against the bears in Chicago. So that's what you got around the NFL. I'll be back on Thursday to give my picks for week 13. Uh, I had a, I had a bounce back week in week 12. So let's keep it rolling. I, I went three and two in week 12. Let's try to go four and one in week 13. And I'll give you another DraftKings. Gotta have them play for Sunday's slate. Uh, just a couple other thoughts before I wrap it up. The NBA, the Celtics here locally, their 16-game win streak was snapped last Wednesday night in Miami. It had to end sometime. I thought it. I told you I thought it would end soon. Uh, I picked the wrong game. It ended after 16 games. So they won 16 in a row. And, I mean, look, it had to end sometime. 
probably for the better. You know, the longer those win streaks go on, the more pressure that is put on you. You know, you you, you start doing things that it's just it's a, it creates a circus that I'm not so sure Brad Stevens even wants. Not to say that he's glad he loses games, but let's be honest. There's a different type of pressure when you have the type of win streak that's in the teens. It's getting close to 20. And, you know, you're doing it with Kyrie Irving, who's one of the best players in the league. And you're a fresh team. Again, it's a new-look Celtics. You're doing it without Gordon Haywood. The storylines, you got all these young kids, you know, Tatum, Jalen Brown. You know, you got new players coming in. I mean, there's just so many storylines. It's kind of a circus already. You're adding to the circus when you're winning 16 straight games. And again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to win or that Brad Stevens is even rooting for a loss. But since they did have a loss and and their 16-game win streak is snapped, I'm just telling you that it's probably the best thing to happen for the team now long term. You know, what does Tom Brady always say? I, I love this quote from Tom Brady, and I use it for everything, or at least I think other teams should lose it for everything. There's a different type of there's a certain type of critiquing that you do after a loss that you don't do after a win right there is there's a there's a different type of critiquing that you do after a loss than you do after a win and I think that a team like the Celtics a coach like Brad Stevens they should embrace that and uh, hey the win streak's over Uh, the season's not over I'll still be watching the Celtics way before I Watch the Bruins. Like if the Celtics and the Bruins are on, and I guess this brings me to a little Bruins thought that I have to close out the show. If the Celtics and the Bruins are both on at the same time, it's a no-brainer. I'm watching the Celtics. It's a no-brainer. I'm watching the Celtics. I've, of course, I've been paying attention to what's been going on with the Bruins. I threw out a tweet. I actually, I got to bring this up. I threw out a tweet last week uh, before I went away for a couple days here for Thanksgiving, took some, some days off, and uh, I threw out a tweet, and... And it said, does anybody still watch the Bruins? Or do people still watch the Bruins? Something like that. Because, you know, the Celtics were just so exciting. I even think it was the night they lost to Miami. But they had to come back. And they almost won it. You know, they had these comebacks. Even in games that they lose, the Celtics are more exciting than the Bruins. And and I know what the Bruins had been doing. You know, they've gone to the backup and Anton Hadobin in net. And uh, he's been playing some good hockey. To the point where you got, you got some people in Boston who want Tuka Rask to lose the starting job because Anton Adobin has finally started to do his job as a backup goalie, which is win or at least give the Bruins a chance to win when you need to give Tuka some time off. Maybe this is a Bruins rant that I should save, but fuck it, let's do it now. The people who are calling for Tuka Rask to lose his job because Anton Adobin has been decided to start playing some some good goaltending and and helping the Bruins win some games. I don't get your message because last season, the first four months of the season, when Anton Hadobin couldn't win shit, okay, couldn't win shit as a backup goalie. Um, he actually was released, right, or put on waivers. Nobody wanted him, so the Bruins took him back. When Hadobin couldn't do his job, what's his job? Go in when Tuka needs some time off and give the team a chance to win. When, when Anton Adobin couldn't do that last year, what did we say? We said, we're begging for a backup goalie to come in and do something. This offseason, I was begging for the Bruins to go out and get a backup goalie. Uh, they didn't do that. They stuck with Hadobin. And I questioned it. 
but when Hidobin goes in this year and and he looks very good, you know, I'm not going to come out and complain about Nobody should complain about that. But you also shouldn't call for the starting goalie to lose his job because of it. Don't you understand that this is a great team? Like, nobody can just see that Anton Adobin plays well and take that as a great thing for the team and also be a great thing for Tuka Rask, who, when he does need time off, he's obviously the number one goaltender, when he does need time off, it's not like you're putting a goalie in there who's going to struggle to the point where, well, you have no chance to win. Last year it was like that. That's the ma- that could be the one major improvement for this Bruins team that finally gets them back to being a team that we're looking at in the Stanley Cup playoffs going, hey, you know what? They got a shot. They got a shot because their seeding in the playoffs isn't bad. They're not one of the wildcard teams. You might get some home ice advantage in the first round. And, um, you know, y- y- you also were able to rest Tuka Rask towards the end of the season, in the middle of the season, and he's fresh for the playoffs. Like, isn't it a good thing? Why do people need to take a good thing and then go, well, you know what? Tuka Tuka should lose his job. They're never going to win anything with Tuka. Shut the fuck up. Like, can't you just enjoy something for two seconds? Like, I can't see Anton Hadobin playing well and and just enjoy it. And also think, hey, not only is it good for for Anton Hadobin, it's good for the Bruins, and it's good for Tuka long term. Instead, you got people seeing it. Four or five solid games from Hadobin, and they're going, hey, Hadobin's the new number one. Fuck Tuka Rask. You had to roll with Hadobin. Just insanity. That's an insane take. That's outrageous. Can't you just fucking enjoy something? Unbelievable. But I threw out a tweet. I threw out a tweet, what, Wednesday? Maybe Tuesday, Wednesday. And I said, does anybody still watch the Bruins? If There were a lot of people. And to no surprise. I mean, Twitter, I told you, Twitter is... The, uh, it is the palace of insecurities. It is the palace of just people get so offended and we wouldn't even know people get offended by certain stuff if it wasn't for Twitter, but they just let that go. They let that loose. They're offended by everything. And the the pussification of America is, is no more evident than throwing out a joke on Twitter and seeing absolute fucking losers respond to it and being personally offended by a joke about the Boston Bruins. If you were offended by that, and believe me, go read the responses. There were many people offended. If you were offended by that, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to describe you other than just being a fucking loser. But I can't think of anything better than that. You're a loser. Get a life. Put the phone down, sign off of Twitter for five minutes, go get some fresh air, blow that shit out. You're you're hitting the weed, blow it out. Don't just inhale. You got to exhale too. Go take a fucking walk around Castle Island, you loser. You're personally offended by a joke about the Bruins? That's one. Number two, if you know anything about me, you know that I'm obviously not not paying attention to the Boston Bruins, okay? It's a fucking joke. If anything, it's more praise for what the Celtics are doing than a knock on the Bruins. Calm the fuck down, all right? That's my advice for you. And uh, sign off of Twitter every once in a while. It'll be good for you. It's good for your health. You get, if you get personally offended by a Bruins joke, you're a loser. That's it. There's no other way to describe you. And um, again, me? Like, 
Yeah, what? Oh, I'm not paying attention to the Bruins? No, I am. It's just that the Celtics are more exciting. And I'd rather watch them than the Bruins. Even if the Bruins end up, you know, they went on, if they went on to win 10 straight, the Celtics, they're just the more exciting team right now. It's just, that's it. That's all that was. Calm the fuck down. The Bruins, you know, they're going to do a little something to get back on my radar, to get back on my full-time map here on the Danny Picard Show. They got to do something about that, right? And when they finally actually do start to do something about it, all I hear is complaints and people want it to turn a positive when the backup goalie comes in and finally produces the way you've been begging for him to produce, you turn it into a negative by telling us that Tuka Rass needs to go because they're never going to win with him. Fuck you. That's stupid. Stupid. Dumb. And uh, <laughs> that's my Bruins take. Maybe for the week, maybe for the month, maybe for the next three months. But we'll get back to football on Thursday, and uh, I'll give my picks. And anything that happens with the other teams, or even in the Major League Baseball offseason, I will react to it. Get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are available. Also on the Podcast One Network. Follow me on Twitter. Facebook, all forms of social media. Don't forget, subscribe to my YouTube page. We got some interesting stuff happening on that. YouTube.com slash Danny Picard. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'm out. Talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>